It's always so weird to watch a video of yourself right before you come up and preach. Uh, but I, this, this video is there because uh, I, I want a chance to speak to the whole church. And many of you know we have other campuses. So you've got to put up with me twice, back to back. The only ones who have to do that. But here you are. Uh, before I get started in the sermonette, this service is going to be different. The reason it's going to be different is because it's going to be a miraculously short sermon. And then we're going to have a chance to respond. So I'm going to give you a little bit of truth and a whole lot of, ch- of opportunity to put that truth into practice. But before I do that, I, I got to say something really important. Happy birthday, Mom. Today is my mom's birthday. Uh, and I hear, I hear you don't make it into heaven unless you tell your mom a happy birthday. So that's bad theology, people. Don't believe that at all. That's not, that's not true. But uh, thank you, Mom. I think today is 28 again. Uh, it's been that for a while now. That means I'm like two or something. I don't know. Uh, but... Praise God for that, and uh, grateful that you're on this earth and that you gave birth to me. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, now listen, I, I, I want to dig into what I said on the video and press in a little bit deeper, because it's something that I think the majority of you in here don't stop and think about. It's the relational nature of God. Did, did you know that there are wild implications of the fact that our God is a relational God? Did you know that it's this aspect of God that is of the Judeo-Christian faith that makes our God so different from all the other gods and goddesses out there. Because if you look at any other faith, all the other gods and goddesses, they, they are served by the people that they made, and they don't want relationship with them. They just want service. They're the slaves of that God. Yet the Judeo-Christian God is the one God who says, no, I actually want to be in relationship with you. I, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. I want you to stop and think about the implications of this. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be jumping around a lot. The words will be on the screen if you're not quick uh, on your feet with it, but some of you Bible drill people want to keep up. Isaiah 43. We're going to read verses 1 through the first part of verse 4. And I want you to listen to the, the character of God as it, as it pours out in this particular passage of Scripture. Isaiah 43, beginning in verse 1, says this. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt as your ransom, and Cush and Seba in exchange for you. And listen to this, verse 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. And I love you. Can, you. can you hear the tenderness of God in here? Because you're precious in my eyes and I love you. He says, I know you by name. Now, there's some of you theologians in here. You're going, wait, wait, Jason, you're, you're taking that out of context. He's, he's talking about the nation of Israel here. He's not talking about me. Well, let me remind you of another scriptural truth. The word of God says that those of us who have believed in Jesus Christ have been grafted into the people of God. And we are the people of God, and therefore this promise is for us. If you're a believer in Jesus, he says, you're precious to me, and I love you. I know you by name. Now, there's some of you going, yeah, well, Jason, that's like a collective thing. He, like, loves the people of God, but that's not like every individual. Well, then I want to I make you jump back to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, chapter 33. I'm going to read one verse in just a moment. But before I do, I want to I set up this, this verse, this context. You have the nation of Israel, and they're just a rebellious, frustratingly disobedient people. And God is trying to lead them. He finally goes, look, I'm done. 
I'm going to smite every last one of you if I stick around you too long. So I'm going to go ahead and send my angel. I'm going to let you all go into the promised land, but I'm not going with you, lest I kill you. And Moses says, oh, oh God, no, no, we're not going without you. I mean, what do we have if we don't have you? God, if you're not going, we're not going. Moses says, God, I want you. And I want you to listen to God's response in Exodus 33, verse 17. It says, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. I know you. This, this one little speck of all of God's creation, he says, I know you. See, God is a relational God. He says, I'm not just going to know this wild stuff about you and, or this, this conglomerate of people. Every individual, you're precious, and I know you by name. And the only thing that is required is one simple thing. You saw it with Moses. He just wants us to love him. And when we love him, we get to be in a relationship with him. I want to lead you to one last verse as we're going through this idea of God's relationship with us, but it's in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. It's a verse I would encourage you to memorize. It's very short, very simple, but profound in nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. It says this. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And that's all it takes. If anyone loves God, he is known by God. That, that phrase, he is known by God, means he's in a relationship with God. God is not this distant creator that just breathed life into you and left you on your own, kind of just managing this universe. No, he knows you and he loves you. All you got to do is love him first. Actually, all you got to do is let him love you first. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but he first loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. All we got to do is realize how much he loves us and love him back. And when we do that, we get to be in relationship with Almighty God. Now, I want to be real clear, though. When I say all you got to do is love God, that you understand what it means to love God. Because this is where the vast majority of us mess it up. We think to love God means I, I have warm feelings toward God. I think God is a great guy. Uh, I go to church. I read my Bible. I do things. I, you know, I, I love God. Of course I love God. But the Bible is very clear about what it means to love God. And what it means is you obey him. Jesus, is that, he said this, like if anyone loves me, he will obey my commandments. The reason this is true is because God isn't just your homie that you hang with. God is the king of the universe. God is the one in charge of everything, which I think makes it even more mind-blowing that he would choose to be your friend. But he still needs to be king. And if he's king, though he's our friend, we still do what he says. He doesn't do what we say. He's not just our buddy that, that we throw our requests at and he does what we want. He is the king of the universe, which means we have to come under his rule, and that's our problem. We just hate coming under anyone else's rule. I don't have to spell this out if you've been coming to Fielder for long because you've heard this over and over, but if you go to the book of Romans, chapter 3, it explains this. I've been memorizing Romans 3, 9 through 17, this, this passage that just tells how bad it is. It says, as it's written, none is righteous, not even one. No one seeks for God. No one understands. All have turned aside. Together they become worthless. No one does good, not even one single person. That's our condition, the Word of God says. It's, it's this. We turn our back to God. And let me tell you the problem with that. You can't turn your back to God and be in relationship with God at the same time. But that's our natural state. And this is where Jesus steps into the equation. The beauty of the gospel. He does two things. First thing he does is he shows us what it looks like to love the Father. 
Did, did you see some of the scriptures? If you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, how it talks about Jesus, he says it so clear. I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of my Father. Why? Because he loves the Father. The most poignant moment of all, Garden of Gethsemane, he's going, Daddy, please, I don't want to go to the cross. I don't want to be separated from you. I don't want the sins of the world upon my shoulders. Please, Daddy, if there's any other way, but not my will, your will be done. Why? Because that's how he loved the Father. He says, you're king, and I'm going to love you by obeying you. I'll go. He shows us what it looks like to love God. But the second thing he does is when he goes to that cross, he takes all our rebellion, all that barrier that we put up between us and God, and he destroys it. It hangs with him on the cross, gives us the opportunity to go from this posture to this posture because our sin is dealt with. It's been paid for. And now when he resurrects from the dead, he says, I've given you the power to be reconciled to the God who loves you. And now we can turn to God and say, God, I love you, and now I can know you. Listen, I want to talk about some of the relational dynamics that exist between the church and the people around you, but I want you to understand this. Until you get the vertical relationship right, no horizontal relationship is even going to matter. So I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that now. I'm going to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it in a moment, but just make sure you understand. If you haven't gotten that vertical relationship right, nothing else I say matters. You're going to come back to that in a little bit. But I want to move on because there's something that I've learned as I've been studying the Scriptures that it just, no one taught me outright. I've I I, gone to church for a long time. I went to seminary, and there were little nuggets of this, but nobody ever put it together for me quite like this that I think you desperately need to hear. And it's you cannot know God unless you are known by God's people. This is one of those things that I don't think we comprehend because a lot of us are in the mindset that my relationship with God is just me individually, and as long as I love God, read my Bible, do my own thing, I can slip into church, slip out, I'm okay, because me and God, we good. And the Bible says you can't actually know God unless you're known by the people of God. They're, they're mutually exclusive. You're going, well, where's that in the Scripture? Well, I'm glad you asked. 1 John chapter 4. One last passage I want to look at. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read just two verses, verses 7 and 8. Listen to how it frames it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Now listen to this one. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. If you do not love, you don't know God. Let me go ahead and give you a newsflash. If you don't know people and they don't know you, you can't love them. You can't love from a distance. you got to love in relationship. And therefore, if you're not in relationship with God's people, you can't really be in relationship with God. There is no individual Christianity. It's collective. God set it up. We have to, he gives all these one another's in the scripture, bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another, care for one another, spur one another on. You can't do any of them if you're all by yourself. If you slip in, slip out, and aren't connected to community. You can't actually know God. There are so many of you in this church, and your spiritual life is stumped because you're not in biblical community. And you can't really know God the way he wants to be known because you don't understand what it means to forgive that, that God has forgiven you because you've never, you've never had to forgive somebody else in biblical community. You just walked away. You don't know what it means to bear, how much the Spirit bears with our problems because we don't want to bear with one another. You learn all that God has done for you when you do it for others. That's why you can't know God unless you're known by others. But this is where I think we have a problem. 
But this is also where we're going to get interactive in the sermon because I want to know how bad the problem really is. And so we're going to start now doing some polls in the church. And this is about to go choose your own adventure. I have no idea what I'm going to preach about. You're about to tell me what I'm going to preach about because we're going to do a poll. So you're going to need your phone. I want you to go ahead and grab your phone out if you don't mind. It's one of the few times I'll tell you to get on your phone in the middle of church if you're not using the Bible app. Uh, And so, and I'm going to ask you just to stay engaged over here. And we're going to put a QR code up on the screen. And you're going to go ahead and uh, scan that and get it. If, by the way, if you're watching online right now, you too. If you're watching this live, you know, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, you can participate. It's only a couple of seconds delayed. You should have a chance to be a part of this. So go ahead and scan it. If you're having trouble scanning it, you can go to slido.com and then the number 2909267, type that in. You can get to the same place. And you're going to hear a no, act, or you're going to see a no activity part yet. Let me see if it works for me here. Let's see. Is it working? Yep, there we go. Okay, I'm doing it, you're doing it. It says Slido, and it says there are no active polls at the moment. How many of you have that no active polls at the moment? Okay, there's a few more of you trying to get it. By the way, even as we're going along in this, you can still jump on. Uh, we're going to be participating in this. But the first question, before we put the first question up there, I want to tell you what it is. I'm gonna, it's a yes or no question, because I'm trying to figure out how many of the people in this room are in active biblical community. Now, I want to forewarn you. I don't want to make a bunch of liars out of you. This is not a question, do you love Jesus, do you not love Jesus, yes, no. Are you a good Christian? Are you a bad Christian? This isn't any, and this is totally anonymous. We're not going to come hound you if you click no. None of that. This is just to get the temperature of this particular room. And so to be active in biblical community, the question is going to be very specific. It means that you've participated in one of the four things I talked about, community group, discipleship group, equip class, support group, one of those four, at least once a month over the last six months. Now, if you missed one of those months, that's fine. You just, but the general pattern of at least monthly over the last six months, you've been in biblical community, one of those four things with at least one touch point. A month. I'm trying to set the bar really, really low here. So that now let's go ahead and move on to the question, make the poll active, and you're going to begin to see the results on there, okay, so yes, no, you see it now on your phone, praise God, I am, I'm submitting mine on there, go ahead and do that, and then you just click sent, and in a moment, we're going to start to see the answer to that, what number we're at, okay, anybody having problems, raise your hand if you're having problems right now, okay, a few of you, you keep trying, I don't know what to tell you, Uh, (laughs) how many of you were able to get it done right now? Okay, that's good enough. All right, I don't know. Is there another slide we have to advance to to see the answer to it? Let's see what we got. How's it going? We got anything back there? Somebody give me a loud word from the back. Tell me what's going on. Oh, what? Okay. We're waiting. They're trying to refresh, but it's not refreshing. Okay. We'll keep refreshing. We'll see what happens. Let me go ahead and tell you, I'm prepared for this. Uh, I actually did some data 
to search out where our church is, specifically where this campus is, and how many of you actively, over the course of a month, participate in a group. Uh, let's get some guesses. What do you think the number is? What was it? So in the poll, it came back 59% said they were in a group, 41% said they weren't. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what that means. It means we have some liars in this group. That's what it means. <laughs> Overly generous people. It's not far from it. When I did the data, here's what I did. I searched what, what percent of people were, showed any activity in a group o- over the course of a month and then ran that against what's been our active attendance, people who've shown up. But there are many of you who don't report anything like checking in a child, going to a group, giving, something like that. And so we might not know you're here. But the bare minimum comparison is closer to about 50%. So there's about 9% of you heathens around here somewhere, uh, and the rest of you aren't. But what that means is that we're about half the church in a position where they can know God better because they experience that biblical community with other people in the church. And about half of you Right now, you're not able to fully know God the way he would want you to know because you're not even known by the people in your own church family. And I think that's an issue. I think half our church right now, their, their growth in, in their faith is stunted. And I think God wants to do more. And, and I know there are reasons why, and I want us to figure out what those reasons are. So we're going to try another poll over here. Let's see if that works for this next one. They may have to tell us the results because it wasn't going on. But on the same thing, Now, you're going to have a new poll. Now, before you start doing this, if you have your phone still open, you'll be able to see it. There are 18 options for you to pick from. These are the options of why you think people don't join biblical community, why 50% of our church is still not a part of it. Now, if you're one of those who's not in a group, then be honest with yourself. Remember, this is anonymous. What are the top three things that are keeping you from biblical community? If you're in biblical community... Then start asking. Some of you already taken it. You're not even listening to me. If you are, then what are the things that make it the hardest for you? Pick just three and then click submit, and we'll start to see the results up here. Go ahead and do that right now. Okay, I did mine. All right. By the way, again, if you're online and you're watching this, Don't forget, you can take this poll as well. They're real close on the other ones other than the big kahuna. Okay, we'll give just a little bit more time. Go ahead and in the room now, tell me how many of you have taken, you're done, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are still in the process? Raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, keep filling it out. What are you doing, people? (laughs) I'm just kidding, that's terrible. That's That's a bad, that's a bad joke. Okay, all right. Five seconds, four seconds, three seconds, two seconds, one second, boom. Okay, uh, it could change more, but I'm going to speak on the top three. I'm just going to open my Bible. Oh, I don't know what the top three were. Let me, let me look at my time constraints, laziness, fear of not fitting in. Okay, let me mark those so I, I know which ones I'm talking about here. I don't want to lead you all astray. What was it, time constraints? Laziness. Man, there's a lot of honest people in this room. Fear of not fitting in. Okay, got it. You know, two of those three I expected from you guys. 
I didn't expect laziness from you. That's a, that's a good one. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I just want to really quickly tell you what God's Word says about this. I, I just want to frame it for you because this is what is keeping the bulk of you away from biblical community. I knew, number one, would be time constraints because I know life. I've got six kids. They're all over the place. I lead a, a church with a lot of people in it. I have a demanding profession I have issues and struggles just like you, but I want to bring you back to God's Word just for one moment. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Hebrews. I don't have these marked because I didn't know what you would say, so I'm going to be flipping with you. But Hebrews chapter 10, I just want to read two verses for you. I want to speak to those of us who feel like I just can't, I can't find the time to do it. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. We, don't, we won't have them on the screen because I didn't know which ones to put up there. But here's, here's what I want you to hear. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, he says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He says, don't, don't neglect getting together. Spur one another on, encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now that last part, when you see the day drawing near, here's what he's saying. He's saying the days are getting more and more evil Day by day, month by month, year by year. I am certain you know this to be true. You can look around in culture and see how things are shifting and things are getting harder and worse. The Lord is coming soon, and more and more, you are going to be so alone, so isolated if you say, I believe this book to be true. More and more ostracized, and you need the people of God to come around you, to stir you up to good works, to encourage you when you feel discouraged. You absolutely need biblical community. It's not a, a want, it's a need. I was taught this at a, uh, a, a, a personal productivity course I took. Very simple thought, but profound. It says, you never find time to do what matters, you make time to do what matters. You will never find time for biblical community. Let me go ahead and just tell you that. You have to make time for it because you know it's the priority. So don't let time constraints be an excuse. It matters that much. If I had more time, I would get into Matthew 6, where he talks about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God will take care of everything else. But he's just saying you've got to prioritize. If you don't prioritize, the world is in control of you. But when you prioritize, you are in control of your life. You can't control the people around you, but you can control yourself. You've got to make time for what matters. Don't let it be an excuse. The second thing was laziness. Now, I, I, the book of Proverbs speaks to this, and I want you to go find the book of Proverbs. It's after the book of Psalms. And I want you to find this truth from Proverbs 6.6. 6. We're going to have a couple of Proverbs, so go ahead and jump over there. Proverbs 6 says, 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. And it goes on to tell how the ant works hard and therefore has what she needs. A very simple proverb and truth. If you are lazy in the things that matters most, the one who will suffer the most is you. I know that there are a lot of things that take our energy and attention from life. But like I said before, this matters so much in these days. If you choose to be lazy about this, you are the one who will suffer. I'm telling you, you won't even know God the way you want to know him if you choose to be lazy about this. If, if you were to go a little bit later on in that and find chapter 10, verse 4, same basic idea. 
Proverbs 10.4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He's talking about providing for your family, but let me, let me tell you, that's rich emotionally, rich intellectually, rich mentally, rich spiritually, rich physically, all the things that you most long for in life. He's saying, don't be lazy about the things that matter. There are some of you right now, and you don't know why you're always in a depression, why you're always struggling, why you always feel so isolated and alone. It's because you're being lazy. And God is saying, stand up and do what I'm telling you to do because there's blessing in it. Don't let laziness be an excuse. I, I, could, I could keep, I'm gonna do one more. Ephesians 5. I don't really have time for it, but we're going. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, make the best use of the time. Don't be a fool. Because of the time we live in, be wise. If you're letting laziness be an excuse right now, recognize that is the epitome of foolishness. God is saying, be wise. Take a bold step. Last one was the fear of not fitting in. In the book of Ephesians is another passage. I'm so grateful that you were honest about that because God's word speaks to it. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Same book, listen to what it says. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. I love that word in Greek, it's poema. We are God's poema. It's where the word poem comes from. We are God's poetry. We are God's artistry. We are God's unique creation. There is no one else in all creation like you. You were designed to be a specific work of art. You're not supposed to come into a group and just morph into everybody else. You are supposed to be unique. That's how God designed you to be. In fact, I could go over to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I could start reading about the way the body works. And he says the, the church is a spiritual body. And it's made up of all these different parts. Some of you are an eye. Some of you are a nose. Some of you are a hand. Some of you are a kidney. Some of you are a foot. All these different parts. And he says, listen, if all of you try to be a hand, then how could you get around? You wouldn't have legs, knees, feet. If all of you were a knee, you wouldn't have eyes to see. You wouldn't have a mouth to speak. Every single person needs to contribute. But let me tell you what happens in this big old room right here. A thousand plus people gather together to worship God. There are only a small amount of people who can use their gifts. Maybe you're not like Reggie. You can't come up here and sing. You're not like the people who can play an instrument. You're not like the people who can serve running cameras and up in the digital team. You're not a guy who could be up here preaching. And so your gift is completely unseen in the church body right here in this room when it's all by itself. Or just you at home watching online. There comes a moment when you can get to a smaller place and you can be the hand you're designed to be, the foot you're designed to be, the kidney you're designed to be, all the different body parts you're designed to be. You're not supposed to fit in. You're supposed to be who God created you to be because a church isn't complete without you being you. I don't want you. I don't want you to let that be an excuse any longer. Like, I don't know if I'm going to fit in. Don't try to fit in. Try to be who God designed you to be because God created you to contribute to that community. There, there are 15 others, and I have Bible passages for every one of them, but you would leave before I got through it. And like I told you, I'm way over time. I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond 
this morning. But here's what I want you to know. All 18 of them, they're all excuses. They're all things that we use to keep us from what matters most. But if you desire to know God, then I want to give you a tangible step that you can take today. But I'm going to need some help from some people. So there's a number of you who have been prepared for this. Uh, You're going to come up here and grab one of these signs, and you're one of the leaders who's going to be bringing people into your group. If you're wondering if that's you and no one's talked to you about it, it's not you. It's those of you who we talked about. So go ahead and stand up. Come up here right now if you're one of those people. Uh, And you will come grab your sign and come up on stage with me. Because these are the people who are going to be with you to help you get connected to community. We decided to make the service a little different today. We're going to have an extended time of worship in just a moment so that you have an opportunity to take a step, a real, tangible, literal step toward community this morning. So when you grab your sign, go ahead and come up on stage with me once you have it. I want everybody to get to see your beautiful faces up here. So grab that sign and come up here. Those of you who are out there, here's what I'm about to ask you to do. I'm about to ask you to be willing to come down front and say, I'm ready to take a step in a biblical community. And let me tell you what's not going to happen. We're not going to point you out. We're not going to make you say anything in front of a microphone. We're not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. You're just going to have an opportunity to slip out with these people into the hallway to get to meet them so that you can know somebody. And they're going to help you. You have questions. Okay, yeah, but, but what group, what time, how's this going to work, what do I commit to? And they're just going to answer your questions while those who remain in the room are going to have a time of worship. You're not going to miss a thing. No one's going to leave you. You're going to come back in for the last song. So you won't even miss the rest of the worship service. You're going to have an opportunity to come be here with these people. But you're going to have to choose to come. I can't force you. I just want to encourage you. I believe if you're part of half this room who needs biblical community, that the, the start of 2024, it is time for you to take the step of faith. It is time for you to literally take a step to come on down front in a moment and to join us and then go out in the hallway and just have a fun conversation with a few people and then you'll be right back in here. I can't force you. I'm not asking you, is your name on a roster somewhere? I'm asking you, do you have real biblical community? Maybe you're going out, God, I tried the other one. I need a new fresh start this year. You can come. Maybe you're new to the church. You can come. If you're watching online, you're going to have an opportunity to hear from Zer in just a moment, so hang tight. Whatever the case may be for you, if you're going, I'm ready to take a step in a biblical community, then I'm going to invite you to do so. I'm going to invite you all to stand up. We're going to come on down here to the front. So everybody in the room, stand up. And if you're ready and willing to join us to take a step toward biblical community, I'm inviting you to come down front, stand with us just for a moment. You come on down and you're going to have an opportunity in a moment. Hey, you guys hang there for a moment. Don't walk out quite yet. Y'all hang here. You come on down if you need biblical community. We're just going to wait a moment and see who the Lord brings. Again, you're going to have opportunity.